The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien Chapter 6 The Old Forest Part 2 Sam sat down and scratched his head and yawned like a cavern. He was worried. The afternoon was getting late and he thought this sudden sleepiness uncanny. There's more behind this than sun and warm air, he muttered to himself. I don't like this great big tree. I don't trust it. Hark at it singing about sleep now. This won't do at all. He pulled himself to his feet and staggered off to see what had become of the ponies. He found that two had wandered on a great way along the path, and he had just caught them and brought them back towards the others when he heard two noises, one loud and the other soft but very clear. One was the splash of something heavy falling into the water. The other was a noise like a snick of a lock when a door quietly closes fast. He rushed back to the bank. Frodo was in the water close to the edge, and a great tree root seemed to be over him and holding him down, but he was not struggling. Sam gripped him by the jacket and dragged him from under the root, and then with difficulty hauled him onto the bank. Almost at once he woke and coughed and spluttered. Do you know, Sam, he said at length, the beastly tree threw me in. I felt it. The big root just twisted round and tipped me in. You were dreaming, I expect, Mr. Frodo, said Sam. You shouldn't sit in such a place if you feel sleepy. What about the others? Frodo asked. I wonder what sort of dreams they are having. They went round to the other side of the tree, and then Sam understood the click that he had heard. Pippin had vanished. The crack by which he had laid himself had closed together, so that not a chink could be seen. Mary was trapped. Another crack had closed about his waist. His legs lay outside, but the rest of him was inside a dark opening, the edges of which gripped like a pair of pincers. Frodo and Sam beat first upon the tree trunk where Pippin had lain. They then struggled frantically to pull open the jaws of the crack that held poor Mary. It was quite useless. What a foul thing to happen! cried Frodo wildly. Why did we ever come into this dreadful forest? I wish we were all back at Crick Hollow. He kicked the tree with all his strength, heedless of his own foot. A hardly perceptible shiver ran through the stem and up into the branches. The leaves rustled and whispered, but with a sound now of faint and far-off laughter. I suppose we haven't got an axe among our luggage, Mr. Frodo, asked Sam. I bought a little hatchet for chopping firewood, said Frodo. That wouldn't be much use. Wait a minute, cried Sam, struck by an idea suggested by firewood. We might do something with fire. We might, said Frodo doubtfully. We might succeed in roasting Pippin alive inside. We might try to hurt or frighten this tree to begin with, said Sam fiercely. If it don't let them go, I'll have it down if I have to gnaw it. He ran to the ponies, and before long came back with two tinder boxes and a hatchet. Quickly they gathered dry grass and leaves and bits of bark, and made a pile of broken twigs and chopped sticks. 
These they heaped against the trunk on the far side of the tree from the prisoners. As soon as Sam had struck a spark into the tinder, it kindled the dry grass, and a flurry of flame and smoke went up. The twigs crackled. Little fingers of fire licked against the dry, scored rind of the ancient tree and scorched it. A tremor ran through the whole willow. The leaves seemed to hiss above their heads with a sound of pain and anger. A loud scream came from Mary, and from far inside the tree, they heard Pippin give a muffled yell. Put it out, put it out, cried Mary. He'll squeeze me in two if you don't. He says so. Who? What? shouted Frodo, rushing round to the other side of the tree. Put it out, put it out, begged Mary. The branches of the willow began to sway violently. There was a sound as if of a wind rising and spreading outwards to the branches of all the other trees round about, as though they had dropped a stone into the quiet slumber of the river valley and set up ripples of anger that ran out over the whole forest. Sam kicked the little fire and stamped out the sparks, but Frodo, without any clear idea of why he did so, or what he hoped for, ran along the path crying, Help! 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 It seemed to him that he could hardly hear the sound of his own shrill voice. It was blown away from him by the willow wind and drowned in a clamor of leaves as soon as the words left his mouth. He felt desperate, lost, and witless. Suddenly, he stopped. There was an answer, or so he thought, but it seemed to come from behind him, away down the path further back in the forest. He turned round and listened, and soon there could be no doubt. Someone was singing a song. A deep, glad voice was singing carelessly and happily, but it was singing nonsense. Hey, dole, merry dole, ring a dong, dillo. Ring a dong, hop along, fall a la the willow. Tom bomb, jolly tom, tom bombadillo. Half hopeful and half afraid of some new danger, Frodo and Sam now both stood still. Suddenly, out of a long string of nonsense words, or so they seemed, the voice rose up loud and clear and burst into this song. Hey, come, merry dool, very dool, my darling. Night goes the wither wind and the feathering starling. Down long under hill, shining in the sunlight, waiting on the doorstep for the cold starlight. There my pretty lady is, river woman's daughter, slender as the willow wand, clearer than the water. Old Tom Bombadil, water lilies bringing, comes hopping home again. Can you hear him singing? Hey, come, merry dole, dairy dole, and merry o, gold berry, gold berry, merry yellow berry o. Poor old Willowman, you tuck your roots away. Tom's in a hurry now. Everything will follow day. Tom's going home again. Water lilies bringing. Hey, come, dairy dole, can you hear me singing? Frodo and Stam stood as if enchanted. The wind puffed out. The leaves hung silently again on stiff branches. There was another burst of song, and then suddenly, hopping and dancing along the path, there appeared above the reeds an old battered hat with a tall crown and a long blue feather stuck in the band. 
With another hop and a bound, there came into view a man, or so it seemed. At any rate, he was too large and heavy for a hobbit, if not quite tall enough for one of the big people, though he made noise enough for one, stumping along with great yellow boots on his thick legs, and charging through grass and rushes like a cow going down to drink. He had a blue coat and a long brown beard. His eyes were blue and bright, and his face was red as a ripe apple, but creased into a hundred wrinkles of laughter. In his hands he carried on a large leaf as on a tray a small pile of white water lilies. Help! cried Frodo and Sam, running towards him with their hands stretched out. Oh, steady there! cried the old man, holding up one hand, and they stopped short, as if they had been struck stiff. No, my little fellows, where be you a going to, puffin late fellows? What's the matter here then? Do you know who I am? I'm Tom Bombadil. Tell me what's your trouble. Tom's in a hurry now. Don't you crush my lilies. My friends are caught in the willow tree, cried Frodo breathlessly. Master Mary's being squeezed in a crack, cried Sam. What? shouted Tom Bombadil, leaping up in the air. Old man Willow? Not worse than that, eh? That can soon be mended. I knew the tune for him. Old grey willow man, I'll freeze his marrow cold. If he don't behave himself, I'll sing his roots off. I'll sing a wind up and blow leaf and branch away. Old man willow. Setting down his lilies carefully on the grass, he ran to the tree. There he saw Mary's feet still sticking out. The rest had already been drawn further inside. Tom put his mouth to the crack and began singing into it in a low voice. They could not catch the words, but evidently Mary was aroused. His legs began to kick. Tom sprang away and, breaking off a hanging branch, smote the side of the willow with it. You let them out again, old man Willow, he said. What be you a thinking of? You should not be waking. Eat earth, dig deep, drink water, go to sleep. Bombadil is talking. He then seized Mary's feet and drew him out of the suddenly widening crack. There was a tearing creak and the other crack split open, and out of it Pippin sprang, as if he had been kicked. Then with a loud snap, both cracks closed fast again. A shudder ran through the tree from root to tip, and complete silence fell. Thank you, said the hobbits, one after the other. Tom Bombadil burst out laughing. Well, my little fellows, he said, stooping so that he peered into their faces. You shall come home with me. The table is all laden with yellow cream, honeycomb, and white bread and butter. Goldberry is waiting. Time enough for questions round the supper table. You follow me as quick as you are able. With that, he picked up his lilies and then, with a beckoning wave of his hand, went hopping and dancing along the path eastward, still singing loudly and nonsensically. Too surprised and too relieved to talk, the hobbits followed after him as fast as they could, but it was not fast enough. Tom soon disappeared in front of them, and the noise of his singing got fainter and further away. Suddenly, his voice came floating back to them in a loud halloo, Hop along, my little friends, up the withy window. 
Tom's going on ahead, candles for the kennel. Down west sinks the sun, soon you will be groping. When the night shadows fall, then the door will be open. Out of the window panes light will twinkle yellow. Fear no older Balak, heed no hoary willow. Fear neither root nor bough, Tom goes on before you. Hey now, merry doll, we'll be waiting for you. After that, the hobbits heard no more. Almost at once, the sun seemed to sink into the trees behind them. They thought of the slanting light of evening glittering on the Brandywine River, and the windows of Buckleberry beginning to gleam with hundreds of lights. Great shadows fell across them. Trunks and branches of trees hung dark and threatening over the path. White mists began to rise and curl on the surface of the river and stray about the roots of the trees upon its borders. Out of the very ground at their feet, shadowy steam rose, mingled with the swiftly falling dusk. It became difficult to follow the path, and they were very tired. Their legs seemed leaden. Strange furtive noises ran among the bushes and reeds on either side of them, and if they looked up to the pale sky, they caught sight of queer gnarling and knobbly faces that gloomed dark against the twilight and leered down at them from the high bank and the edges of the wood. They began to feel that all this country was unreal, and that they were stumbling through an ominous dream that led to no awakening. Just as they felt their feet slowing down to a standstill, they noticed that the ground was gently rising. The water began to murmur. In the darkness, they caught the white glimmer of foam where the river flowed over a short fall. Then suddenly, the trees came to an end and the mists were left behind. They stepped out from the forest and found a wide sweep of grass welling up before them. The river, now small and swift, was leaping merrily down to meet them, glinting here and there in the light of the stars, which were already shining in the sky. The grass under their feet was smooth and short, as if it had been mown or shaven. The eaves of the forest behind were clipped and trim as a hedge. The path was now plain before them, well tended and bordered with stone. It wound up onto the top of a grassy knoll, now gray under the pale starry night. And there, still high above them on a further slope, they saw the twinkling lights of a house. Down again the path went, and then up again, up a long, smooth hillside of turf towards the light. Suddenly, a wide yellow beam flowed out brightly from a door that was opened. There was Tom Bombadil's house before them, up, down, under hill. Behind it, a steep shoulder of the land lay gray and bare, and beyond that, the dark shapes of the burrow downs stalked away into the eastern night. They all hurried forward, hobbits and ponies. Already, half their weariness and all their fears had fallen from them. Hey, come merry do, rolled out of the song to greet them. Hey, de come derry do, hop along, my hearties. Hobbits, ponies all, we are fond of parties. Now let the fun begin, let us sing together. Then another clear voice, as young and as ancient as spring, with the song of a glad water flowing down into the night from a bright morning into the hills, came flowing like silver to meet them. Now let the song begin, let us sing together, of sun, stars, moon and mist, rain and cloudy weather, 
Light on the budding leaf, dew on the feather, wind on the open hill, bells on the heather. Reeds by the shady pool, lilies on the water, Tom Bombadil and the river daughter. And with that song, the hobbits stood upon the threshold, and a golden light was all about them.